Well, uh, thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, okay, well, so uh, good evening. Uh, I'm Shane, and this is my wife, Alyssa, um, as you've already been told. Uh, so uh, we just, uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to come and, and just tell our story and uh, tell a, uh, just tell about God's goodness and what he's done in our marriage and, and uh, how he healed our, our marriage. And, and we hope that, um, that something in our story will resonate with you uh, or that you might be encouraged or find hope uh, through our experience. And so um, we've been married for 22 years and um, we have uh, three boys and one girl. And so there they are. Uh, oldest is 13. Our, our girl just turned six. Uh, Turner, Ezra, Atticus, and Catelyn. And so um, our story, like all great love stories, began at uh, Texas A&M University in commerce. And so uh, we, uh, we dated for uh, two years, and then we're engaged for a year after that. Um, and that was all great, but uh, while we were dating, uh, there was a, a significant event that happened in my life. Uh, my dad was a deputy sheriff, uh, had been a deputy sheriff for about 21 years, and uh, while we were dating, uh, he was uh, severely wounded in the line of duty and eventually uh, later passed away from his injuries, uh, and that happened while we were dating, and so uh, obviously that was a devastating uh, event in my life, and that really began, um, it was the beginning of some significant struggles uh, for us uh, that would come up later because of that. So when we look back at our first years of marriage, they really were pretty good. Um, We didn't have oneness, but we had never heard of oneness, so we didn't know that that was something we needed. Um, Unfortunately, we came into the marriage with some foundational issues that weren't great. Uh, First of all, we were both children of divorce, so we really didn't have any functional marriages to look at um, for us. Uh, For me, I come from a very large family, and I never separated from my family and prioritized Shane. I was still very connected, especially to my mom and my sisters, and so Shane was kind of just an add-on to to my family. Uh, We were both believers. We had accepted Christ when we were teenagers, um, but we were not connected to the body of Christ. We did a lot of church shopping in our early years um, and just went from place to place and never dove in deep anywhere. And then really, we were just living for ourselves. We didn't have children for the first eight years or so of our marriage, and so it was easy just to get caught up in our own wishes and desires and comforts, and uh, we were both just pretty selfish back then. So about the fourth year of our marriage, um, I really began to experience uh, some uh, deepening depression uh, related largely to what had happened to my dad. Um, And about that same time... uh, my tendency is to kind of is to avoid things, and so rather than uh, dealing with that, what happened to him in a, a healthy way, um, I ran from that. And so uh, it really is a pretty miraculous story. He he was going into a, a to a house to serve a warrant, and he was shot in the head, um, and he miraculously survived that. Uh, but he had to live in an assisted living facility in Bakersfield, California. And uh, he was remarkably um, function, functional for someone who had suffered such a uh, serious injury. But my tendency, like I said, was to avoid that. But around the fourth year of our marriage, there was, I was experiencing a lot of stress because 
uh, his case manager was really reaching out to me to reconnect with him, which was good, uh, but it was very stressful for me. Um, so as the depression deepened for me, um, I began to have a lot of anger uh, and just rage and outbursts of anger to the point where I eventually began to take medication um, to deal with that. And so it helped, but it obviously did not solve the problem, the root issue. And so I began to seek out uh, unhealthy, inappropriate relationships with women at work. I was a teacher, and so I was surrounded by uh, women. And so I began to seek fulfillment through, uh, through those interactions rather than uh, turning to Christ. Uh, Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, and I was really looking for life and um, in the wrong, the wrong things. So while this was going on, um, I was definitely trying to make myself happy. When I look back at this time period in our marriage, uh, the verse Proverbs 14.1 comes to mind. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. And I definitely, I don't think was aware of it at the time, but my actions were basically tearing our house down. So because Shane was really difficult to be around at this time, um, we really began leading more separate lives. And so, um, like I said, because it, it was hard to be around him and I just looked out for my own happiness rather than looking out for the health of our marriage. Um, there were several things I focused on. I uh, started grad school and furthered my education, and as a result of that, then got a promotion at work. So I was pouring myself into my career. My family was still taking up a lot of my time. I was jogging and playing soccer and basically just doing anything I could to distract myself from the unhappiness at home. Um, I was not prioritizing Shane at that time. A couple of examples were a time when he got sick at work and needed to be picked up, and I arranged, um, or I really didn't make any arrangements because I was working and I was prioritizing that, and so one of the friends from work took him home that day, or when his car broke down one time, I was trying to make other arrangements so that I didn't have to be inconvenienced. Um, I would say back then we had a very dysfunctional dynamic. It was almost like a parent-child um, relationship. I felt like I was the responsible one and felt like I had to be in control. And really, I knew that we had problems, but I saw them as Shane's problems. And so I felt like if he would change and if he would deal with this depression and all his issues, um, if he would deal with those, then our marriage would be fine. So it was very prideful. I couldn't see my part in it at all. Uh, so you, you may be familiar with Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And at that point in my life, my path was very crooked. Uh, I was trusting in myself. Um, and in 2002, so my dad was injured in 1993, and then uh, complications from his injury um, caught up with him. And uh, he passed away in 2002, uh, in August of 2002. And I really got caught up in identifying with him. Uh, I did not grow up with my dad. My parents divorced when I was two, and so... Uh, I think for a lot of my life, I had had that boyish longing to know him and kind of know who I was uh, as his son. And and one of the tragic things that, ha that you know, was part of that was that when he got hurt, that was a time when we were really beginning to connect. Uh, so there was it was a lot of emotional devastation for me. And so I began to realize in talking to people that were close to him that there was a lot of, a lot of the struggles that he had. Uh, were struggles that I shared. Um, and so I began to get caught up in this sort of 
almost fatalistic view of like, well, that's just the way the Maldens are, you know. Uh, we lose our temper and throw things or whatever, you know. Um, but so I was struggling with that. I should have been looking to find my identity in Christ. Um, but in the fall of 2003, it was the first anniversary of my dad's passing, and, and it was following a very difficult summer for me. And things really began to completely just kind of come apart and unravel for me. Um, my best friend had moved away, so I was even more isolated. I was unhappy at home. Alyssa and I were distant. I began spending more and more time with, uh, you know, female friends at work. Um, and so we just began to lead these separate lives. And finally, it all came to this big discussion with Alyssa where I basically just kind of unloaded on her and told her that I was unhappy and I wanted to leave. I blamed her. Uh, and I just had a really hard heart. I'd become very callous towards her and towards God. Um, she got me to meet with church staff, um, and I basically just went to the meeting and just said, I'm done. Um, and so in my eyes, I had my own life, um, and I thought leaving would, would make me happy, and that if I could just kind of get out of, out of this and go over and do that, then I would be good. And uh, I was not following after Christ. Um, and so I stayed in the house for about another month after that discussion, quit wearing my wedding ring, and then finally got an apartment and just left. And um, I convinced myself that I was taking care of myself. And people will tell you today, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants, and follow your heart. And, um, you know, but the Bible says that the heart is deceitful. And um, so I was trusting in my heart when I should have been trusting in the Lord. So when Shane told me that he was unhappy and it was my fault and that he wanted out of the marriage and that divorce was now an option, um, I was devastated and broken. Um, It felt like my worst nightmare was coming true. Uh, God really met me in my pain and just, I think I finally just surrendered to him. I was finally broken enough to just surrender it all to him. And um, through the devastation and the pain, I learned that God is enough and that my hope is in him. And so on the Sunday that Shane moved out, um, I read in Isaiah chapter 43, 18 and 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And so I didn't lean on that verse thinking, oh, he's, you know, Shane will come back. It'll be a new marriage. It's going to be so much better. But what I knew was that God had changed me and he was doing something with my heart. Um, And like I said, I was finally surrendered to him. And so it really gave me hope that he was working. So during this time, I drew much, much closer um, to God. I was just reading the Bible out of desperation for comfort. Um, I had a ring of verses on index cards at work that I would just read just to get me through the day. I was praying like crazy, just literally to survive. It was a terrible, terrible time. And, um, and I finally, through that surrendering, finally decided, you know, I've trusted Christ when I was about 14, and here I am, you know, 16 or so years later, and I've never really walked with him like I should have. I've never really taken my faith seriously. And so I felt like if I'm going to call myself a Christ follower, then I need to obey him. And so what that looked like was I was attending Watermark at the time and had been for about two years and had always attended, but had not, you know, that same pattern of not um, 
joining in, but I joined a women's Bible study and experienced really for the first time just the love of Christ's body, the church. Those women didn't know me, but because I was a sister in Christ, they just loved me through this whole ordeal. Um, I finally got baptized as an adult. I had been baptized as an infant, but I made that public profession of faith and then became a member of the church. I had held off doing that thinking, well, I'll wait until Shane joins me and we'll join together, but just really went all in um, in finally taking my faith seriously. So during this time, I uh, met with a staff person here once a week and just received really wise counsel about loving Shane through this time, regardless of how he responded to me. I was encouraged to be a friend to him and to, to be a wife. And so um, that was really just life-changing because that is not... I was not getting that counsel anywhere else, and so um, I started to follow that counsel. I tried to, I was told to make it easy for him to come back, um, just because, you know, he had left, and it would be a big blow to his pride to all of a sudden change his plans and come back, and so to make it easy for him, whereas the world was telling me, you know, change the locks on the house, get his name off the bank accounts, you don't have kids yet, so it's really not a big deal, you can start over, so um, I'm really thankful for that counsel that I was given. What that looked like as far as making it easy for him to come back and as far as loving him, regardless of his response, was that I would write cards and notes and just let him know and mail those to him and let him know I was praying for him. Uh, When he did call, which he did occasionally, um, I was encouraged to have a loving tone when I answered the phone and talked to him because really my natural instinct, I was so angry and hurt, it was actually easier to be angry than it was to to be hurt. And so um, use that loving tone when he called. Um, I was encouraged to show him acts of kindness when I could. And so at the time, it was in the September and October. So he was still coming over every other week to mow our lawn. And so one of the ways that we kind of brainstormed um, how I could be kind to him was to bring him some ice water while he was mowing the lawn, just a small act of kindness. So So he came over, he's mowing the lawn, I got his ice water ready, I put it in the fridge so it'd be cold, and about halfway through I went and took it out to him and gave him the water, and he took one drink, and he said, this water's too cold, it's hurting my teeth, Um, and handed it back to me. And, um, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll, you know, leave it on the counter so it won't be so cold next time or whatever, but it was a good, and we really kind of laughed, it was actually kind of funny even at the time because it was just so over the top, but, um. I was obviously incredibly, like, self-absorbed. Yeah. At that time. (laughs) I'm lucky um, she didn't throw it in my face. But it was, I mean, but it was really a good lesson to me, too, of God's kindness towards me and how I threw that back in his face for so many years, you know? So um, a really just a picture of God's kindness for sure. Um, Another way that I tried to be loving to him was to um, listen to his problems um, and his issues with me without trying to talk about my hurts and my needs and just trusting that God would provide the right time for me to be able to express myself, and, and God did. Um, we had kind of a big moment, or I had a big moment where I for the, you know, had so much grief over the loss of our marriage, and um, I finally kind of understood to an extent like what Shane's grief over his dad must have been like, because for, I was just sort of waiting for him to get over that, and it just impacted me a lot that one night that that what do you do with that amount of grief? And so I was able to apologize to him and ask for forgiveness for not understanding his grief. Um, and so that was one way of just reaching out to him and, and um, 
loving him. And slowly, God just helped me to see my part in the marriage and to see that although Shane had kind of done the big thing of moving out and, you know, he's done and all of that, and so it was real easy for him to be the bad guy, um, God just really gently and slowly showed me what I had done um, through all the years that impacted our marriage as well. So I won't say that every single reaction and response to him was perfect during that time, but because of the Holy Spirit and then this biblical wisdom that was shared with me, um, I acted and reacted a lot differently than I would have just out of my own nature. And so I would say it was a very painful time, and probably actually the most painful time of my life, but um, a very sweet time of just trusting God and seeing his hand at work in our lives and just um, in some way every day seeing some encouragement from God that he was working and to trust in him. And so one verse that I clung to during this time was Psalm 57 verse 1, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. So I'm going to do it. I always give a shout out to Mandy. That was the staff member that, that gave her that biblical wisdom. I'm very thankful for our dear sister, Mandy, who, who gave her, spoke biblical truth to her. But even more thankful that Alyssa um, acted on that. Um, I look back and I'm really amazed at how Alyssa responded in, in a loving, uh, very controlled way uh, when I would talk to her about the most ridiculous things. Uh, that I see now were very painful, probably, to hear for, from, for her. Um, while all that was going on, I kind of had this grand plan that I was going to leave and everything was going to be great, and so that was not the case. Um, I still felt empty and lonely and found that I was still unhappy, and you know, everything for me kind of began to fall apart. Um, you know, All the friends that I was going to hang out with had other things to do in life besides worry about me, uh, you know which was a shock to me. Um, but my behaviors were, you know, I was just kind of a loose cannon. Um, my behaviors were hurting my reputation with people at work. It was affecting my job. Um, and so just all of this unhappiness, really, there was one particular night that I was just laying in bed, and I think the Holy Spirit prompted me and just reminded me of the, the parable of the prodigal son uh, who, you know, took his inheritance, went and squandered it, thought he could find happiness in life somewhere else uh, besides at home uh, where he should have been. And, and um, that's in Luke chapter 15. And I think God just used that to impress upon me that I was very much like a prodigal child who had wandered away. And, and I realized I just needed to go home. Um, and so that began really a process of not only uh, getting things right with Alyssa, but really getting things right with, with Christ. Um, and so I think that night I called Alyssa and just, we just kind of talked and, you know, I said, Hey, do you want to go see a movie or something? It really kind of began the process of, of coming back together. And I found that, you know, she was very different. She didn't blame me or present me with a list of demands, you know, and things that I had to atone for. Uh, there were things that we needed to work on obviously, and things that I needed to own, and that would come with time. But we started just really kind of dating again, and, and we were at the mall uh, one night, and we had these shirts made. Um, and so uh, we just decided, let's just have, you know, date and have fun again. And it's funny, the reactions you get when you walk around with these shirts on, um, everybody notices them, and everybody seems to like them. But um, mine, mine has just shrunk over the years. I can't wear it up here anymore. So it, uh, I just have to do a picture now. 
But uh, so it, so that was just uh, part of the process of, of me coming back home. And just an example of how we kind of tried to go back to square one and just enjoy each other again. Um, so there was uh, a relationship thing going on, but at the same time, spiritual renewal too. So. Yeah, so Shane just kind of slowly started coming back. You know, we would date and... Um, eventually he moved back in, but even when we were back together, it uh, definitely wasn't all fixed. We um, still had communication problems, which I think were more related to that selfishness that was still um, raging within us, I would say. Um, he had not yet completely cut off the friendships he had made at work with the female coworkers, and so um, you know that was worrisome to me. Um, he didn't jump into going to church with me at the time. So I just had all of these things kind of caused this high anxiety for me that he would leave again. And so um, I just trusted in Psalm 112, uh, verse 7, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So even that time after he came back, I really had to still just trust in the Lord and cling to him and know that no matter what happened, God would never leave me or forsake me. And so um, what helped us to grow once he came back was first of all, like he talked about the spiritual transformation, just God changing our hearts and drawing us into a close relationship with him. And we were also encouraged to join a community group here at Watermark. And so we we did sort of reluctantly join that. I kind of felt like we needed major counseling to make sure this never happened again. And, um, and it was amazing, though, being in community with other married couples, how much of an impact that had on our marriage. And even as we've continued in community group throughout the years, um, just what an influence they, they have on our marriage and how they help us to stay focused on God and on each other. We also had our first son about a year after we reconciled, and so I think having kind of that common mission and common goal of raising um, Turner and our subsequent children to know Christ and to follow him really united us, and that after we had Turner is when Shane started attending church again with me, and um, and then just being able to be involved and re-engage. We um, have been leading groups now for many years, and as we've gone through the curriculum just year after year and time after time, it's really kept those biblical principles at the front of our mind, and we've been able to love other couples, but at the same time, it's such a good reminder for us to keep our marriage um, and the fo- or the focus on our marriage and what it needs to be and what God expects. So being involved in re-engage over the years has had a huge impact on our marriage. So I would say the verse that, um, you know, is kind of the theme of my life, I guess, is now is Ephesians 5.25, which if you've been around re-engage for any time, you've probably heard, husbands love your wife, uh, wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, so I like to think I'm not as selfish and self-absorbed as I once was and focused on Christ. You know, there are days when a, someone might argue opposite of that, but um, but that's been the major shift in my focus over the years, and, and I'm kind of a slow learner, I guess. It's taken some time for um, for God to, to bring me along, and um, but I've learned to find hope and joy in Christ. Uh, and so um, I haven't taken antidepressants for nearly a decade. Um, I've one day realized I wasn't depressed, and why am I taking these things? Um, in John fifteen five, Jesus said, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we haven't arrived by any means, and we're continually being conformed uh, to the image of Christ, and it's by abiding in him that 
um, that we're able uh, to do that. And so we've learned that when we're both pursuing our relationship with Christ, uh, we tend to respond to each other in ways that foster oneness. And when we're uh, being selfish and focused on ourselves, then the opposite is true. And so uh, we know marital problems uh, are spiritual problems. Uh, and we strive to pursue Christ and to pursue each other. And uh, I'll just wrap it up with, there was a, a friend at work who um, told me that another co-worker was celebrating their 21st anniversary or their 20th anniversary. This was last year. And I, I said, wow, we, we've been married for 21 years. And she was surprised at that. And she said, well, what's your secret? You know, how did you do that? And I was kind of on my way out the door and had to leave. And I, I thought... Well, really, it's Jesus, you know, and that's what it boils down to. And um, so uh, we hope that uh, you will find encouragement uh, in our story. uh, And we just want to offer hope that if you're in a bad place, uh, that that there's hope in Christ for you, for your marriage. And so thanks. (laughs) Thanks.